Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about a very um, somber subject. Yeah. We're going to talk about the epidemic of despair in our country and the growing rate of suicide and just this battle that apparently is, uh, I don't know if, is it pandemic? That's a world issue. Epidemic. Hmm. I don't know. That's a great and is question. And is it an epidemic or is it just a growing problem? Well, they definitely, uh, um, talking about um, suicide in particular is definitely, they happen in, in rashes. They happen in uh, in spurts. Wow. Um, it's It really is a lot like a con- contagion. I think they, they actually call it suicide contagion. Where in a community, if if one member kills themselves, uh, it, it, it spreads. Yeah, and uh, you, you find that to be true. There have been um, high schools where there have been yeah. a flurry of them in a school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but however, in our country, this is this is maybe having that social effect even as a country now. Sure. And so we're going to talk about despair and the battle with despair and um, maybe some hope and steps going forward to overcome despair. Yeah. First, it is a story and or joke time. Try and keep things a little a little lighter, uh, and uh, it's your turn today. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I have this friend of my dad's. They were they grew up together. They've been friends their whole lives. My mm-hmm. dad, of course, uh, for those of you who know, my dad died when he was thirty six. I was sixteen at the time, and so uh, this guy Joe Steen, they called him JoJo. Um, JoJo, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would, you know, the whole JoJo the dog face boy. He walks, he talks, he crawls on his belly like a reptile. <laughs> Have you not ever heard that before? What? No. <laughs> That's a thing. Is it a cartoon character? Or? Uh, I don't know. I've just always heard that my whole life. Just jo- some mythic Jojo the dog face boy. Some deity he walks, that he talks, everyone He crawls knows on his belly like a reptile. That's a, that has to be a commercial. Where would that come from? I have no idea. We should look that up sometime. But I would, anyway. I would always call, like, I've, I've never met this man. I feel like I would call him just Jostine. With a name like that, two two syllables, one one each, mm-hmm. as that rolls off the tongue, Jostine. Jostine. Hey, Jostine. Well, that's what I called him. And not Jojo. No, Jojo's nice too. That's a good one. Yeah. That was what his friends called him when they were kids. Anyway, I got lots of Jojo stories. Uh, he's a, he was a wonderful man. He's passed away now since. Too. Okay. But, um, after my dad died, um, Joe really, uh, tried to take me under his wing. Mm-hmm. He had a son who was two years younger than me, maybe three. And he and I were buddies, but, um, Joe, you know, kind of wanted to, uh, weave me into his family. Yeah. After my dad died, so I went on my first ski trip. They're the ones who taught me how to ski. Okay. On snow. <laughs> well, you have water ski. in Texas. Oh, okay. you know, in Texas, when you say skiing, most people think behind gotcha. the boat. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Joe uh, was not a follower of Jesus. Hmm. Um, so even, even after your dad had his right, kinda, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, he became. Uh, really this kind of new age. He went to like a new age church and um, I went to his funeral. It was very weird. Hmm. Um, anyway, Joe was a, he was a good friend of our family. And <clears throat> so when my dad died, I'm playing golf one day with Joe and uh, we're standing on a, on a tee box. There's two memories of this round of golf earlier mm-hmm. in the round of golf. He told me that the day that my dad died, he walked out of the hospital, got in the car with his wife, 
Paulette. And uh, he told her, I will never again have a bad day. Life is too short. It's too precious. Mm -hmm. And he's telling me this at the golf course. I'll never again have a bad day. I said, how long did it last? He said, two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's kind of pertinent to our conversation today because you have this, you know in your mind that life is too precious to really let it let things get to you there. Yeah. There's not that many things that are that important. Anyway, that was there. And then on the other, uh, where am I? I'm standing on the tee box of a par three. It's a downhill par three, beautiful hole. Mm-hmm. And he said, so you're married now. Yep. I just married Sue. I've been married maybe six months. And he said, uh, <clears throat> he would, he would push me on my faith a lot, challenge my Christianity, challenge my hmm. beliefs. And so we're on this, I'm standing there and he says, uh, so you're married now. Yep. And you'll never divorce. Nope. You don't believe in it. Nope. Not going to do that. He said, well, let's say you go home today at the end of this round of golf. And Sue says, you know, that whole thing about sex, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And we're never going to do it again. What would you do then? I said, well, man, I can't even imagine that happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you looked at me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I said, you know, uh, you can only you can only know what you intend to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I would handle something, you know, super mega challenging. Mm-hmm. But my conviction is that that I married one woman for life, and that I will not give my heart to another woman until she is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so we had a long talk about marriage and divorce and fidelity, and uh, that was my other JoJo experience in the same round of golf. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to me that he would. Uh, kind of grill you about your faith after so soon after your your uh your dad passed we became friends for a long time mm-hmm. um he really dove into our world and became uh when julie was born your oldest sibling mm-hmm. uh he really took a liking to her and, and invested in her and it wasn't long after that i think we relocated or something and and we drifted sure uh but the longer our relationship got the more aggressive he fought uh my faith you, i remember once he got on a plane ride he was on a plane and the guy mm-hmm. next to him is a pastor and um they're talking and when he found out what joe did for a living that he owned a business and that he was you know uh, a high wage earner he began to talk to joe about how useful he could be in the church and how his giving could change the world and, hmm. and just went after the money thing and it just turned his stomach and he always seemed to meet people who were horrible examples of authentic christianity and gotcha. so he would beat me up with those. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, Paulette Steen might be one of the funniest names <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> amazing woman. She's still alive and really an amazing woman. Maybe the character that she has was earned through having that name throughout her life. You think it's that bad a name? <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. It's like, a, to me, it sounds like a Seinfeld character, like a fictional New York character in the 1970s or 80s. Yeah. I'm telling their stories, but let me tell you one more because this is how amazing she is. Okay. Well, I'm about, now I'm starting to feel worse and worse about making this joke about her name. <laughs> well, that's why I should tell you this great okay. hero story of her. So, okay, do it. So Joe, uh, Joe was telling me again on a golf course, and um, he's telling me Joe had been – he's an alcoholic. So uh, lots of their marriage, he just kept winning and losing the battle with alcohol. Yeah. And um, they end up buying their dream house. And he said, you know, it was a little bit more than we really thought we could spend on a house. We could do it, but it was going to be really tight. Hmm. 
you know, it's stressful, financially stressful. Sure. So he said, we moved into the house. Uh, we unpack in boxes. It's our first night to sleep in the house. And he said, she's already in bed. I sit on the edge of bed to take off my shoes. And I told her, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to run down to the Shamrock. That's the bar that him and my dad used to go drink at all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run down to the Shamrock. Bar name. Yeah, it is. I'm going to go down to the Shamrock and just see if any of the old guys are there, what they're doing with their life. You know, I feel like I'm strong enough to do that. And I just want to see what happened to the men, you know, to the boys. And she climbed out of bed, walked over to the wall and kissed the wall. And he said, what are you doing? She kissing said, I'm, house, I'm kissing this house goodbye. And he laughed and he never went to the Shamrock. But it was a cool story because if she had said, you stupid idiot, you, you're going to ruin our lives. You know, if she had attacked him, mm-hmm. he would have gone just to prove her wrong. And who knows where that would have gone. Yeah. But instead, she did that subtle little thing, which she had gone through Al-Anon and learned how to be married to an alcoholic. Gotcha. <clears throat> anyway, they were they were real heroes of mine, even though Joe pushed on my faith a lot, especially at the end. Um, just a wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah. You said something in there. The um, oh shoot, I actually now I forgot. But it, you said uh, um, something about the, the having a bad, not having bad days, and and that time was too short to um, to despair. Yeah, and uh, I think what it was, I had this experience recently where because almost everything has you know the silver lining, the the cliche. Mm-hmm. Um. And very recently, I was talking to somebody who's going through something very serious, and there's there's nothing to say. You know, it was one of the first times I've encountered personally a situation that is that glum. And you could not find a way to encourage. Right. That there was nothing. And this might be just a, this might be that I'm a bad listener, because in, in these scenarios where I'm being um, someone's vent, you know, they're, they're right. getting it out on me. Right. I feel a responsibility. Yeah, I feel to them, it's, it's, to me, it's them saying help. And it's my job to help. So well, perhaps listening is the help. Well, that's probably true. Listening without judgment and without, you shouldn't feel that way, you know, devaluing their feelings. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. You know, then right. you delegitimize their despair or whatever. Yeah. But maybe it's, because uh, to me, almost every, like sometimes I'll say even to, to other people, you or, or Lindsay, I'll say a statement and I'll get no response. And I'm just, I'm, I'm like, I'm hello. Help me here. Yeah. And there's yeah. no, and you know, it's like, you didn't ask a question to me. Every statement is, mm. uh, you know, statement response. They're, they're two parts of the same thing except for, you know, goodbye. Or even that goodbye, goodbye. Then you're done. So it's like playing volleyball, you know, Interesting. it's like yeah. hitting the ball and then you, and you just watch it bounce next to your feet <laughs> and just look at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, but yeah, go ahead. It was, yeah. But it, it, it was just, uh, there was nothing to say. And um, and do you think he was disappointed that you didn't have anything to no, say? No, but it, but it was an encounter with uh, where the only silver lining is our faith, is our eternal faith. And uh, that That's there are, a big silver lining. It's huge. It's huge. But the stakes here are really high. They are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even something which I would find completely miserable for a few weeks or months or however long you know like a pet dying even that's not the end of the world right but there are things that really you know as far as things can get bad they're very bad there's a song i can't stand on the christian radio (laughs) and the line is uh your world's not falling apart it's falling into place 
Mm. It's and kind I of condescending. Go, yeah, I'm like, you idiot. No, it really <laughs> is falling apart. Right. God can be powerful in it, but it really is falling apart. Yeah. And it's, I think it's it's great to acknowledge that. You're yeah. driving me to drinking. <laughs> uh, this is a Izzy sparkling blackberry. Yeah. Uh, so with nothing else in it, nothing else. It's not spiked. It's very natural. In fact, it's full of sugar. It says uh, no added sugar and no added preservatives. Nice. How about that? We were joking that we would uh, we would need a drink to get through this one, but they yeah. are. <laughs> I have one too. They're both. Uh, what flavor? You got peach over there? Peach. Yeah. Yeah. A peach Izzy. Is that any good? I like it. They're all good to me. They're uh, all just sweet carbonated juice. You know, what What can you do wrong with that? It's hard to get that wrong. Yeah, no kidding. Unless it was like grapefruit. I can't do grapefruit juice. I love me. grapefruit. Really? I love it, love it, love it. Ruby One, red grapefruits. Oh, my goodness. When you I ever was, heard of a ruby red? No. It's the best. It's <laughs> it's from the Rio Grande Valley down in Texas. Okay. And they're ruby red grapefruit. They are like candy. They're amazing. I can do grapefruits, but not... A bottle of juice when i was in like fourth grade i was having a sleepover with a bunch of guys and uh we would do we were getting tired we wanted to stay up late you know it was probably like 9 p.m yeah we're fourth graders (laughs) (laughs) his parents had grapefruit juice so we would it was so tart we would drink it to like stay awake and we felt really it was like you know it was like taking shots of grapefruit juice i don't know i haven't tried it since then so i probably it's probably not bad so these easy cans are really small uh what is that eight ounces they used to have a can like this called tex sun grapefruit juice you ever seen them Mm-mm. that's the brand texan t-e-x-s-u-n oh, i didn't even pick texan. up on that. yeah and it was grapefruit juice and it was just straight grapefruit juice and i would keep those things buried in an ice chest so they get just so cold they burn on the way down your throat it was my um substitute for beer that makes sense because when it's you a lot mow, like beer yes and when you mow grass when you play golf when you play softball and it's a hot sunny day there is nothing more refreshing than an ice cold tex sun grapefruit juice i buy it it's awesome i buy it so let's get back on track and um we we what we want to talk about and this was listener recommended this topic yeah and it's something that you know we've talked about before on our own and we had a conversation about it just uh i think just a couple days ago yesterday i think was it yesterday so just about each of us and our own um occasional battles with despair yeah so uh, we want to acknowledge right off the bat, this is a very real issue, and apparently it's a growing issue, as is anxiety. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, so we looked up a little, some stats on suicide, because it does appear that um, there is a, and I, I, I would call it, it's a despair culture, but I think, too, that we have a culture of death. Um, yeah. That we, you know, we abort um I forget which country it is is bragging that they've eliminated Down syndrome from their from their population, and what they do is they abort every baby that has. It Down was syndrome. Uh, I think it was uh, Iceland or or Greenland or Sweden or someone. Um, it might be multiple countries now. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, we you know we think about euthanasia, giving assisted suicide for people who are uh, fighting terminal illness, mm-hmm. and there's this culture that life might not be worth fighting for might not be as valuable as it used to be. So yeah. I think that's a contributor. But really what we're talking about is the growing sense that um, people can have of anxiety and despair for probably a multitude of reasons. It would be fascinating to hear professionals talk about why they think this is a growing issue. Sure. And uh, we're going to talk about um, suicide here. And I think there is a, a significant difference 
I've had a lot of moments of kind of despair and seeming hopelessness, never suicidal tendencies. I think it's a cause and effect, right? But you can be like despair is the cause and suicide would be the the dramatic conclusion of that. Um, so let me ask you this. This is a personal question. Mm-hmm. Have you never had a suicidal thought fly through your brain where you thought I could just end it all? <laughs> not, not really. There's I'm laughing. There's a, a, a stand up bit about this by Bill Burr. Where he says, like, uh, if I were to tell you the truth, you'd think I'm crazy. Because really, it's not like when my life's falling apart, I think about killing myself. It's when I told my girlfriend I'd bake a pie on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I wake up on Thanksgiving and she says, you ready to bake a pie? And I'm like, yeah. Or I could jump out the window. <laughs> it's, it's like, like that. I've never, I've never, you know, I've never, what's the, uh, um, you've never had a pain so intense or a sadness so intense that you thought, okay, so I'll just tell you, I've had this thought, driving my car. I could just slam into that bridge column and this would all be over. You never had that thought. No. That, I wonder how normal I am because I've had that thought. I, it's not lingered. I'm not tempted to, to switch right. lanes and get closer to the pillar of the bridge. It's not like that. But this thought that uh, wouldn't it be great if this battle were over? I remember I was having breakfast with a buddy of mine years ago in Denver. Mm-hmm. And a pastor in our city had just died. He was on vacation with his family, and his son was driving the car. Him and his dad were going fishing, and his son wrecked the car, and dad is killed in the car accident. Oh, man. And um, I was asking Walt. We just sat down for breakfast. I said, did you hear about this? He said, yeah. I said, you know, my first thought when I saw that was that lucky son of a gun. (laughs) Walt said, why? I said, well, he gets to be out of this mess, go to heaven, be with Jesus, but nobody thinks he's a coward. Nobody thinks he's weak. They're all grieving this hero of our faith. And he was an amazing pastor, planted several churches. He just was great for the city of Denver. But I was thinking, what a, what a, uh, what a great escape. Not, not like that. I, no one, I mean, he's a winner because he's in eternity. But his son driving, that's Oh, it's crushing. terrible. I, you know, I can't even imagine. And I, I have prayed for his. This is years ago. I've prayed for his son. I don't even know his name. I've prayed for him that he could forgive himself. But my point was that did not feel abnormal to me at the time. And Walt said to me, Jim, I think you might be battling depression. And so we talked about what is depression. I'd never, I'd never had a meaningful conversation about depression with anyone. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a season in my life where I was, I was in significant despair and uh, it was attached to some things that we began to explore together, feeling like a failure as a parent, feeling uh, overwhelmed at the challenges in front of my life, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And uh, it, 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 fortunately, because I had a guy who spotted that in my conversation and started talking to me about it, I found my way out of that in about a six-month span where I literally felt freedom from it. Hmm. Well, you're not – I, the term I was looking for is it's like um, conceptualization or, or where you actually walk through it in your head. Where, where that's what suicidal thoughts mean in in clinical sense. Where Is that you, you you actually could plan it out? How yeah, it would happen. exactly. You think well, you walk down the road a little further. Like, well, what would what would I do to do that? You know. And you've never done that. No. Um. But I don't want you to feel like a freak unless we're both freaks because it's interesting that I actually I've felt that way more when I'm um actually closer to God when I th- when I when I think of the the, the, perks. the beauty of heaven. Yeah. And the perks, for lack of a better word, of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the release. Paul talked about this, you know, of the uh, how how sweet it would be for his earthly burden, his mortal coil to just mm-hmm. be done. 
and he could just be where he wants to be finally instead of well, working as hard as he worked. When all I time. think about that and his conversation there, mm-hmm. I think he feels that way because his life is brutally hard. Yeah. He's going to places nobody's ever been to hear about the gospel. He's being brutally punished for that. He's being imprisoned. He's being beaten. He's being hated on every side. Well, yeah, heaven sounds a whole lot better than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't equate that conversation of his with a what we might call a normal happy life. Sure. Yeah. I the the thing here um is is that despair obviously people are familiar with at the very least the concept and uh and we would say and I think anyone who has been to more than three church services would say that uh the that Jesus like you said sets you free and is it is the the cure as our hope should kind of eliminate that in the life of a healthy Christian hmm. and that is that's what I kind of realized recently is that that's not true necessarily we you know there was a a high profile uh suicide a few months ago of a of a youth pastor um and because when we were talking about it and you said how you you know still struggle with that and uh you and I kind of view you as like me and like if ever if everything goes well me in about 30 years <laughs> you know 30 plus and so and this has happened before and I don't want this isn't to guilt you at all but when I realize oh I'm still going to have problems when I'm there oh okay you know? yeah because you there's a lot of stuff that I'm very proud of you for doing and I hope that I will be there one day um but you know we have similar struggles so when you say you still have those it's like oh like yeah, it yeah. was, it was, you know, let the air out of my sails a little mm-hmm, bit, mm-hmm. but the reality that even people who are doing, doing it right, quote unquote, uh, this, this battle doesn't go away. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that, I don't know if people talk about it like that. Yeah. And the battle may be different for different people, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a mental health component to that. There's a physiological component to that. And then there's circumstances that are just hard, uh, sure. as part of that. And maybe some, even some others. Let's let's go through a couple of stats on suicide just to touch this, and then I want to get off the suicide conversation because, um, well, I think the reason we're bringing that up is so that we can encourage people to uh, pursue help, support, process before you get to this point, and to be aware of how common it is, and to to be kind of on your guard about it. Don't let it sneak up on you, you know. Yeah. So in 2017, 47,000 suicide deaths in our country, one every 11 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, 10.6 million American adults seriously thought about suicide. 10.6 million. Hmm. It is the number two killer of people from age. What was that I said, John? Uh, Uh, Number two killer from 10 to 34. 34. And the fourth leading cause of death, 35 to 54, and the eighth leading cause of senior adults. And there's actually, uh, that's a little misleading because senior adults die of a lot more things. Um, but senior suicides are, are extraordinarily common as well. Yeah. Because of the, the despair in that period of life for a lot of people. In the military, for veterans, it's, exceed, it's exceedingly high. Um, in fact, they say they can't reliably find what the accurate number is because some of them are reported as accidental deaths. Oh, to, to just to make spare it, feelings. To spare feelings, yeah. yeah. And so it's a it's a it's a massive issue, and um, probably the rank of despair is pretty wide. Like uh, from a scale of one to ten, you know, there's a there's probably a varying degree of intensity. Would you sure. say about yeah, despair? Yeah. yeah. 
And on that scale, how, how intense of despair have you experienced in your own life? If you had to scale it from one to 10, what's your pain level right now, John? <laughs> right. Point to the, to the facial expression that best yes, shows yes, your despair. Yes. Um, not extreme. I, I, I think I tend to, um, underplay things, but more often than not, I, uh, have a self doubt with my feelings, which has its own bag of, of, uh, of bummers bag of bummers that's a good one i'll hold on to that <laughs> um and so when i'm when i'm this downtrodden i generally think well it's probably not as bad as i think it is so mm. i kind of re- rebuff myself a little bit but um yeah like i said i've thought about um occasionally to put <laughs> how pleasant it might be to die but never like a, a suicidal sure thought um but really it's, it's what it is is uh it's that acknowledging that I acknowledge the the good ending, um, but that the you know that there's no good ending for a lot of people on Earth. That a lot of people, I, I saw this sermon the other day, a little snippet of it that said um, uh, it was he was talking about how the disciples with Jesus on the boat, right, mm-hmm. and they're sailing and it's sinking and he's asleep, right, and they wake him up because they're freaking out. And he said uh, he he worded it like, "Do you think that?" Um, Jesus left his majesty in heaven, came down to earth to live a sinless life, um, heal the sick, free the, the bound, and drown to death. And, he, and you know, is no, obviously he had bigger right. things going. Yeah. So hey, should, Jesus is in the boat. We're going to be okay. Right. Um, and so he, then he said, so Jesus is with you. So why do you think right. that you're going to, he's in your boat too. Yeah. But, uh, people get hit by semi trucks. You know, it's like that, that is an abrupt, that wouldn't have happened to Jesus. It could happen to anybody, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's the kind of despair that hits me, is that for a lot of people, there are just kind of um, seemingly hopeless situations, mm-hmm. even though I do believe that in however many years it takes to get to, um, you know, the final um, reconciliation uh, or, you know, outpouring of wrath, those kind of go hand in hand, of, mm-hmm. of God, you know, the end is going to be good. There's just a lot of, blood there before that right yeah so at my age you know i i and being a pastor i'm, I'm exposed to a lot of people dying mm-hmm. and facing terminal diagnoses um met with a guy today whose wife told him two weeks ago i'm out i'm, I'm out i'm not coming back this marriage is over whoa um after 10 years is all yeah so life has challenges and and um, I, I wonder how much of despair can be not attached to, uh, you know, it's like anxiety. Do you have, yeah. do you have anxiety that's attached to their circumstances or is it a, um, a nebulous anxiety? It's this, just this sense that something is wrong and it's not attached to anything that's actually circumstantially going on. You just have this, this sense. Yeah. So I was, I looked up the meaning of despair. It says the complete loss or absence of hope. And the verb, do not despair, do not lose or be without hope. Hmm. Do not lose hope, do yeah. not be without hope. So um, that's that's despair. That's the word we were kind of playing with is, yeah. is despair. And so we you touched on earlier, and I wanted to come back to it, the um, um, that the culture of death and kind of this, um, this idea that life isn't worth it. And a lot of that I've seen with um, sort of rhetoric around, it's not um, pro- Pro-choice. Sorry, I was about to say pro-abortion. I don't. I think mm. they wouldn't like that very much. No. That, that term um, is uh, is that 
in cases where the child would be forced to be born, their life wouldn't be worth it, really. that That's to put it... You Which know, is an arrogant thing to say of whose life is worth it. Well, then they don't put it like that, but they say, why would you bring them into poverty where the parents can't take care of them and all this stuff? But really, the idea is that there are some lives that people wouldn't living. want to live. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that is that is in itself pretty grotesque. Um, but there's a lot of people, I think a really common thing with um, uh, whatever the heck generation I am, mm-hmm. the one of the younger ones or both of the younger ones where the... Uh, as we kind of as as those generations go away from traditional deistic thinking, even mm-hmm. regardless of what your faith would be, is that uh, we're animals. We're we don't have souls, right? And when you die, you're you're asleep forever. You know, well, and that kind of that nihilism, mm-hmm. uh, and that I've seen a lot of people try and turn that into a positive kind of thing. Like, hey, um, make the most of your life. Because we don't matter. (laughs) Right, right. And when you take your last breath, it's over. Yeah. Nothing's there. Yeah. And so, but to me, I don't know how you could have that as your, as your foundation and not despair of life and not think everything is pointless and sad. Right. I I agree with that. And I think this is one of the, um, this is one of the national crises we're facing is the, the, the intentional removal of a monotheistic view of life. And so our, like our founding documents, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created, are in, are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable right, rights. Right. So there was an assumption that there's a creator and that pe- that he gave rights. And so there's this assumption of God. And now there's an intentional removal of that. And the existence of God has been foundational to our laws and our 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 view of morality, blah, 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 you know, all of it. And when you take that away, then what becomes the measuring stick? Well, it becomes experience, human opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no... Well, that, that measuring stick is just empirical truth. So if there's no capital T truth that we would discern from Scripture, it's just whatever... That's what everybody thinks. And whatever can be, can be proved to, to the standard of the time. Yeah, and I think that does erode at a sense of safety, a sense mm. of deeper meaning for the general population. But let's let's laser this back in because one of the things you said a minute ago was that you have these occasional awarenesses where holy holy cow this isn't this might not go away. Yeah. You know, as I become more mature in my faith, as I become older in my life, I still might battle anxiety or worry or depression or despair. Yeah. Um, whereas this hope would be that that would that it's really you could make it go away. Well, yeah, that if you were really living, you know, we talked a lot last week about a spirit-led life, where that's your mm-hmm. that is how you see the whole world, uh, and the hope would be that in that kind of constant awareness of of the eternality of things, mm-hmm. that that despair would go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, you know you you might be able to speak more to this, but it's still I think that if you are living that way, you're not going to be in constant. Uh, you're not going to be bummed out all the time. You're just going to have these seasons, you know, little yeah. nuggets. So here's where I feel like we should confess that we are not psychologists and we are not oh. experts on this field. Yeah, that so, should have been in the very beginning. Uh, and we, and we, while we have had personal battles with levels of despair in our life, we are not uh, acquainted with the depth of despair that some people experience. And neither of us have ever been diagnosed with chronic depression or anxiety. Or, right. Yeah. So having, having um, disclaimed all of that, 
I, I would say that Romans 8, you know, the mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Mm-hmm. And that what God offers us is a, is a true experience with God at the spirit level. And, and that when we set our lives on the spirit, when we keep our minds set on what the spirit desires, these do change the way we feel, change mm-hmm. the way you think, change the way you feel. That's a real thing. And that the supernatural presence of God is there's nothing on earth that can do what he can do just the peace and the calm that his presence can bring so those those are absolutely legitimate yeah so let me ask you this what do you think are the leading causes of this heightened sense of despair well that's what i was saying so the the statistics are very um modern in the you know in the extraordinary sense of that word so like Modernism used to refer to, you know, 50 years. Now, if you mention a statistic from 20 years ago, that's ancient history. Right, right. Um, But there's this uh, same statistics. uh, There's a 30% increase in back to suicides is our kind of metric for despair. Okay. A 30% increase in suicide deaths from uh, 2000 to 2016. That's 16 years and a 30% increase. For women, that was 50%. And for men, that was 20%. Mm. Um, But that's, that's it. Insane. That's mm-hmm. a lot. Well, and women um, are less successful at suicide, but their attempts are, I think, pretty equal with or, men. With, with men. But men yeah. do, yeah. And men use more effective means, usually. Sure. Well, the, the increase in, in um, deaths for men was less than the increase in suicide mm-hmm. deaths for women, but mm-hmm. the overall number is still higher. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's very recent, mm-hmm. you know. I I was cognizant around that time. There's not a lot of history that I can say that for. Yeah. So, uh, and I think a lot of it is what I was talking just that kind of a nihilistic or not a nihilist, nihilistic um, foundation where really it informs how you view anything. Um, and I don't know this guy. I was, he's uh he's on a podcast. I listen to a lot. Uh, he's very open about his, um, I would say, uh, comically open about his nihilistic views. Mm-hmm. Um, and his uh, father passed pretty recently. And uh, he talked a bit about that and um, didn't bend on his, you know, he didn't make any references to seeing him again or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he openly admits that if he could, he would live forever. Mm-hmm. Just, and that he, that, you know, in, in ceasing to exist, that's a bummer. Yeah. And so uh, I don't know how you operate with that mindset. I've never I've never lived with that mindset. I don't know how he gets up in the morning. Okay, so so I think what you're saying is you're attaching the growth of this to also the growth in uh, no faith. Yeah. That as we departure from a from a theistic worldview, Mm -hmm. um, I think I I would say that on a grander scale, on a macro scale. Yeah. Another factor I would say, um, you know. Uh, speed of information, mm-hmm. awareness of global tragedies all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't hear about um, a bombing in in a Turkish market forty years ago. You yeah. know, you just yeah. probably wouldn't hear about it. You'd be reading your local news and you'd find out when the butcher died in a car accident. That's a bummer, but you wouldn't hear about the world's problems all the time. Mm-hmm. And now it's just bam, bam, bam. It's just constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the so I want to distinguish right now between depression and despair. Okay. Uh, depression could be physiological, I think, and some people have a lifelong battle with depression. Right, chemical imbalance. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. want to just talk about really the blues. It's this sense of hopelessness um, that I think is more common than depression. 
I think that's true. I don't, I don't know for sure, but <laughs> back um, to us not being right. qualified. Yeah. And so, uh, I think this sense of hopelessness is attached to w- what is it all about? What's my purpose in life? What's the meaning of life? And this is, this happens for believers as well. Yeah. A sense of losing their, not being able to find their true purpose in life. And so, um, I, I do think that the information overload, um, is, is a factor. I think the social media world where you're comparing your life to everybody's seemingly great life on social media. Yeah. Uh, I think those are legitimate factors. I think that, that one, that latter one is, is, uh, hugely important for, for younger people, high schoolers, mm-hmm. you know, preteens. I think as you're an adult, it's less so, but you're probably not immune to it. And I think there's this feeling that happiness is supposed to be achievable. And so maybe there's a pain tolerance problem where people believe that life is supposed to be wonderful. Sure. And so it's surprising me when it's not wonderful. And, yeah. and what do you think about that? Well, I've actually, that's, uh, I don't know if it's, if the world views that it's supposed to be wonderful, but, uh, I've, 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 um, I can't really cite this in, in general. I've heard that, that despair or, or depression is really what it is. And, and that what leads to suicide is the realization that it doesn't get any better than this, mm-hmm. that you never escape that, that pain mm-hmm. and sadness. So, um, I think that people feeling that way is what really takes it a step further. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, one thing I realized was that my, uh, <laughs> I don't know, bummer periods, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, when I was, uh, in, in, in seasons of despair was because, uh, at least recently I had, uh, this realization that, uh, I was acting under the assumption that a lot of my hopes and dreams were going to happen, which isn't a bad, uh, it's not a bad way to operate in, in, in so far as you're actually working towards those. Um, but you know, like I have, a uh, a dream of, uh, you know, being uh, of of living off of things that I love, so this uh, writing, you know, um, and I and I had this realization that I was assuming that, and then a uh, secondary thought of, um, what if that never happens? You know, what if this kind of peters out? Uh, I never get my butt in gear writing, and then I end up working um, whatever jobs I'm working until I. Yeah, I I can still have a great, you know, have beautiful kids and stuff. But it was this realization that, um, that the aspirations I have in mind could never come to pass, and it led to that. That's possible they would not come to pass. Could, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was that was the uh, realization, and, and what it taught me was that um, maybe that that despair came because my hope was uh, on chance, right? It was on things that may or may not happen, and that I hope in the certain, you know, the certain mm-hmm. hope mm-hmm. of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, is not, if you believe in it, it's not moving, you know, it's not going anywhere. So if that's your hope, it can't really shift in that way. You know, you know what I'm saying? I think I know what you're saying. So you're saying that, that you have these dreams and hopes, right? And when you, when it, when it entered your mind, it's possible that those dreams and hopes never materialize. Mm-hmm. And I do a menial meaningless career job not to undermine anything right but but yeah but not the job you love not the hope you had right that you would have this job um till you're 70 and retire raise good kids but but your 
podcasting, your authoring, all that was just a hobby. It never amounted to anything. And that brought a sense of despair to you. Exactly. Yeah. Because you wouldn't have control over that. Or no, just that, that, that that's what I have been excited about. Yeah. And um, what if all that excitement goes away? Exactly. Or, or what if I can never make that into anything? That's awesome. Okay. So here's what I'd like to do. Let's do our commercial break. And when we come back, I'll talk about my own journey of despair as well. You just talked about where yours comes from. I'll mm-hmm. talk about where mine, I think, comes from. And then we'll move into some final thoughts about how to uh, find hope and move forward. Sounds awesome. All right. Here's our commercial. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, we're back. So, um, so John, I want to I want to make sure I understood uh, another thing you said. You felt like um, what that all pointed you toward is that you're that perhaps you should be finding your sense of life from something that is reliable. Yeah. So what it, it was the uh, you know I believe that. Uh, one of the one of the reasons that um, having faith in God to do things for you is so tricky is because his plans are a lot better than yours. Mm-hmm. So instead of holding really, really, really tight to my own vision of things, mm-hmm. um, letting go of that and only finding your life giving hope in in, in Jesus and God right. and the unmovable things um, so that, uh, you know. That it's not that easy. That you can't just have a bad day and then rethink your whole life. Right. You know, that's really what it was. Okay. Okay. So, um, man, we're we're sharing really some vulnerability about our own journey of despair here. So, um, I hope that's not a burden we're placing on people. <laughs> right. Uh, you, you know, know for, I think we'd both say we're doing we're doing okay. We're doing good. Like I don't know. Oh yeah, we 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 have hope. We have yeah. you know we we are not in despair right exactly we experience it we're not in it i would say that do you feel that way yeah. about yourself yeah i interrupted you i'm sorry no it's good so um i've had an, an increasing battle with this uh in recent time and uh, even experiencing for the first time in my life some anxiety hmm. um i thought a heart issue was coming back turns out it's not it's it's probably this just this little bit of anxiety so it's it's interesting to me that i'm in this zone and mine is not attached to anything like I can't find. I mean, there is no reason to feel anything but profoundly grateful and full of joy with my life. I've got the most amazing wife you can imagine. Um, I've got we make a great income. We enjoy each other. Mm-hmm. I get to I get to pastor the greatest church on earth. There is no it's a pastor's dream. I have incredible support and love from the church. 
I've got a leadership team that's amazing, a staff that's out of this world. But I find myself increasingly having this just nebulous sense of despair. And I'm finding success in my fight with it. But one of the things I've learned is, uh, and, and this is going to be a little bit of a curveball, um, so whatever, I'm just going to tell it because this is what I believe and am experiencing, that there's a spiritual component to this. I do hmm. believe that the enemy, at the end of the day, wants to lead people. His ultimate victory would be someone taking their own life. That his goal is to fill you with despair, to fill you with isolation, to make you feel like nobody understands you, nobody gets you, there's nobody like you, and you are all alone. Yeah. And um, I read about these men who've been used by God in great epic revival eras of history, mm-hmm. and they all battled depression and despair. Every really? one of them. Yes. And uh, in my lifetime, there's been a, you know, a, a revival movement. Some people think it was all uh, smoke and mirrors, but there was legitimacy there. And it was the Pensacola revival and the pastors, the pastor and the evangelists who were used in that talked about how they had overwhelming battles with fear and mm. despair. And I believe that you know, we've been praying for a documentable move of God in this region. I believe God is doing things uh, supernaturally in people's lives. Yeah. I believe I'm privileged to be a small part of that. And I do believe there is an effort by the enemy to lead me to despair so that I will quit. And so I'm facing this. I'm, I'm um, approaching this as a spiritual battle that, sure. that this is coming from outside of me to um, disqualify me, that that's the goal is to make me quit because in those times of despair, that's what I want to do. I want to quit. Yeah. So uh, I think <clears throat> as you think about yours, so let's do this. You give me advice <laughs> sure. and I'll give you advice. So hearing what the way I describe my own battle, what's your advice for me? Man, I <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, uh, preview into our process. One of the reasons it's very hard for me to agree to episode topics for the show is because I can't give advice. I have a hard time with that. Even though earlier I said it's hard for me to not try and help people when they give me their problems. Very hard for me to give advice. Well, the thing is, this should encourage you. I'll encourage you in front of everybody. Uh, Today I had coffee with a young man. I love having coffee with guys who are processing their faith or trying to find their way to faith. I had a coffee with a guy today who's 21 years old. And he said he loves our podcast. And he said, Jonathan is one of the wisest people I've ever known. Uh, Wow. So you at least come across like you have some stability, some wisdom, some natural bent here. So go for it, John. Deep voice. Is that what it is? Yeah. Give me some advice. Holy moly, dude. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I would say, I mean, you already had that kind of aha, right? About the... That it that it is likely spiritually spiritual related, and I think that uh, we you know have huge amounts of people who it, where it is a chronic chemical an anatomy problem. Sure, uh, if you're taking any kinds of medication, don't don't stop. Oh, don't doing stop. That just no, because it, you know of what even we people that believe for God for a miracle, I tell yeah. them do not stop taking medication until the doctor tells you that medicine's actually messing you up because you don't need it anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I think there are a huge amount of instances of spiritual inter- interaction that we that just goes clear over our head. Um, We're pretty naive to it. 
for sure, and yeah. probably more so in our region, you know, in Western culture and in our, um, even in our um, our specific, you know, church flavor. There's the terrible way to put it, but you know, where we where we we're not, you know, um, doing dances, speaking. We're not swinging by the chandeliers, yeah, exactly, and <laughs> exactly. Handling snakes and right. So yeah. I would say you already had that realization about um, the spiritual element, and to be cognizant of that and uh, and realize that you you're you're on to something. There's big change we're seeing. We had uh, a good friend of mine personally in the church have this healing with something he'd been battling with for years right. in, in one incredible night, one of the Wednesdays. If you're not going to a Wednesday at Evergreen and you're in the area, please, it's it's crazy. It's a game changer. It's Yeah. And so um, I've witnessed that. I would say everyone in that room, when you announced that we weren't having one this week because of Thanksgiving, you the, the, everyone went, oh, it was like a palpable. Yeah. yeah. So, it's not a massive crowd, but it is a no. crowd that's going after God and, and expecting God to be more powerful among us. Yeah. Um, so uh, advice that I give in general to even just myself, pep talks, zooming out that microscope. Uh, I think the despair comes from a too narrow mm-hmm. view. This one thing, like even in what I'm saying, oh, this person's death was quote unquote meaningless. Mm-hmm. They, you know died in a car accident or who left a family behind uh, or even, you know, they committed suicide. But uh, if you zoom out, you know, that's one event in the war that is um, this life. And yeah. then it's not the, you know, that's, that's the soldier who died in D day, not the um, huge victory and peace that comes thereafter. Mm. Um, so keeping the focus zoomed out to keeping your eye on the prize. I don't know if that, that's good. Anything? No, but. that's good. So let me give you advice, yeah, please. And so this you, one, I actually, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> well, you, you know, you, you, um, I, I hear, I, I've had uh, a, uh, a privilege, an opportunity to to know some professional athletes um, personally, mm-hmm. and I've been shocked at the ones who are deep lovers of Jesus at how they separate their sports career and their sports accomplishments from where they find their meaning in life. Hmm. And I'll never forget, you know, the Deion Sanders story. Deion became a Christian after this happened. But when he won his first Super Bowl, he stood on that field and the, you know, the confetti's falling from the ceiling. We just, we're world champions. For sure. And he was overwhelmed with despair. Really? He said, I've been giving my whole life for this. Is this really all there is? And it, it, it was a uh, existential moment for him. Yeah. And um, so I would say, you know, how you do your career, wherever that goes, that the thing that's going to make you feel most valuable at the end of your life, when you're laying on your deathbed and you've got your family around you, you're not going to care a ton about how many books you sold or how popular your podcast was. You're going to care about the people, you know, there's going to be six people who carry your body to the grave. And those are the people who are going to mean the most to you and your your family and your the fact that you live for God. You want to get to heaven and God say, "Well done, good and faithful mm-hmm. servant." This is where you have to put all your hope there. And if God allows that to include um this thing you dream of of doing this for a living, that's awesome. And if it doesn't, it means he's got something else he wants you to do. But the common denominator is I'm living for something bigger than myself. I think there's some immense power there. Yeah. I th- and I think that's a huge uh, thing talking about this 
this recent shift um, in in American culture, and a huge part of that is the acknowledgement of the self, and and the marketing around that is very empowering, or it's mm-hmm. meant to be very empowering. You know, find your happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, put yourself first, and then they'll market it in ways where it's put yourself first, so then you can you know share that love with others once you've loved yourself. Um, but that could be part of the despair too. You know, when you're when you're only concerned with yourself and your own hopes and dreams. Man, it is a it is a dead end. Yeah, yeah, because you were made for more than that. You were made for something bigger and and better than that. Another piece of advice. This will be the last one. You know, for me for today. Uh, I've been learning and part of my own journey of okay, overcoming this. Okay, it's spiritual warfare. So I've got to. I still got to navigate day to day. I gotta. I gotta. You know, do my job, love my wife. You know, how do I find the energy and the joy in in this despair moments? And one of the things I'm learning is to slow down. I'm, I'm using the phrase in my head, move at the speed of God. Hmm. And you would think, well, God's big and awesome and powerful. He moves fast. Right. Uh, but re- in reality, I think God moves very slowly. I think God's never in a hurry. He's never panicked. He's calm. He has no fear. Um, no sense of, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and I'm trying to live my life. Uh, more in the moment and moving at the pace of God. And what that is doing is it's raising my awareness of every moment, how I feel, what I'm noticing, my, my observations of the situation about people, even my observations of my own personal experiences. Those are heightening. And I'm, I'm inviting and believing that God is in the middle of that moment. And I'm trying to find him there and move at his pace it kind of, to me, feels like letting God lead me, mm-hmm. and I'm actually following Him instead of running forward and say, "Come on, God, come right. with me." You know, right? It feels like that. So it's it feels like this. Uh, meanwhile, the pace of my life is still very fast. I got a full yeah. schedule. I got lots of things that are I'm responsible for, places to be, money to spend, things to do. But even in each of those moments, it's like time is slowing down, and I'm savoring the nearness of God to me in those moments and finding my anchor, my place, my joy, my strength Yeah, in that reality. He is in this with me. And there's something sacredly powerful about every one of my moments. That's awesome. I would say uh, in a form of takeaway, my other advice, um, it took me what? I mean, I wouldn't say 24 years cause I've only been talking to people for 15 of those. <laughs> <laughs> however many, but it took me a long time to be talking to a person who was in a, a scenario, uh, somber enough to not have anything to say. A joke would have been terribly inappropriate, right? you know? So in most situations that zooming out that I mentioned, um, lowers the stakes because they are most of the time low. Uh, one of the worst days of my life was when I failed my first college course mm. and not my last college course that I would fail. <laughs> and, and it was awful. I, I, I had failure. Yeah. I had uh, mismanaged my time horribly, crushed out this project, got stuck in traffic because I left late, showed up, and he had called my name to present. And his, this man was brutally strict. Wow. And if you were not there to present when your name was called, you would not present your final project. And I failed the class. How late were you to the class? Uh, How long did, after he called your name did you walk in the room? That's a good question. But there was a, that was a thing. There were two days of presentations, and he didn't call my name all of day one. I was ready, or, or, or I wasn't ready, which was a good thing, actually. Um, <laughs> you were counting that? on being called. I remember this. You were counting on being called for day two. Yeah. 
But then you got stuck in traffic and was late to day two. Mm-hmm. So if he'd call my name, I guess either way I would have been in trouble. But anyway, uh, in hindsight, I'm laughing about it on here. Uh, and most of my really terrible days um, are not big deals at all. They're, they they wouldn't be mentioned in my autobiography. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, um, even and, and like I like we were talking about with the global news thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is you, you these things look like they're happening all the time. Yeah. But if you look in your circle, your observable circle. I don't see these things happening all the time that like people are having uh, crises a lot, but it's, I don't know what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that most things are not big deals and few things are very big deals. Well, and I don't know if this is helpful or not. You know, this week we had a, we had a funeral for a firefighter in our church, 52 years old, died of cancer. And uh, as I, that, that always causes me to reflect. Mm -hmm. And um, when I think about my own, you know, if I were to die, and I believe I'm going to outlive your mom. <laughs> I believe I believe I'm going to live to be a lot older than I ever thought. Uh, but when I, if I think about, it, oh no, you know how would how would my kids handle it if I died? How would Sue do if I died? Mm-hmm. Um, I re- I go back to when my dad died. I was 16. Nobody, you know, we didn't see that coming. And how faithfully God took care of me, and how beautiful, even the pain of my dad's death, the depth of the love I have for him, his influence in my life even to this day. I recognize that even when terrible things happen, God has a way of beautifying them, redeeming them, and life goes on. It 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 it, it goes on with another layer. It's like a a a, a deep bruise, and mm-hmm. then as it goes away, everyone. I don't know if you do this. I I'll touch it to see if it still yeah. hurts. <laughs> and it's like that ache is duller. But uh, as you go through life, you you're going to have these, and there's a weird beauty to them. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually, that was a huge thing back in our uh, suffering episode, which we, we touched on these same themes. Um, but that, uh, that there, there are opportunities there to really witness the, um, witness more clearly the promises of, mm-hmm. of God there in, in these uh, periods of just dreadful things. Yeah. Um, you really get to see him for who he is and who he says he is yes. in, in, in levels that are just cranked. Yep. And we do hold on to hope of an eternity where there is no cancer, there is no death, there is no crying, there's no yeah. pain. There is going to be an eternity like that. And we do hold out hope. So when we grieve, we do not grieve as people with no hope. We grieve as people who have an eternal hope as an anchor to the soul. I love yeah. that language. Well, hey, we want to thank you for listening today. We want to encourage you. If you're battling despair or depression, if you're having any kind of suicidal thoughts, please don't do that battle alone. If we can be of help to you, we would love to be, but call someone, talk to someone, uh, say it out loud. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful thing to get that out and discuss it. And, uh, as always, we're available to you, uh, check out, follow us on Instagram at Jim and John or Jim and John. Is that, is it, it's not at, uh, no, just, yeah, Jim and John, Jim and John. We are, um, also at our website, uh, Jim and John.com. No, no H and John. John. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, man, love to hear from you. You can email us at info at jimandjohn.com. We're grateful that you listen and uh, pray God's blessings on you.